Today on Ag News Daily. We're going to have it set up to where anyone across the nation, regardless of what state they're in, can patch into that and, and have a as if an experience will be very emblematic of being there in person. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashton Carr on the podcast today with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's it going for you on this Friday? Well, I mentioned yesterday on the podcast that I was having an interesting day, kind of a dumpster fire day today because our office server is broke. I get to work from home. So I am doing fantastic. Lucky you. And it's your your new home. I hope unpacking everything has gone well. Yes. Unpacking is 90% done. So I'm pretty ecstatic about that. And also, I'm also ecstatic. Our house is on a golf course. So I'm looking outside the window right now at the golf course. And what else could make you happier on a Friday? Sunny, the golf course is right there and I'm working from home. So I've got no complaints, Ashton. Well, I'm hoping that those golfers are staying as cool as they can because I hear that we have about 105 degree heat wave or, or heat index up around your area. Is it is it getting pretty hot yeah, up there? <laughs> it is pretty stuffy out. I tell you what, it's a good day to kick back in a pond or a lake somewhere. If you've got that around your farm, maybe go fishing. But yeah, it's sticky out today. Oh, man. Well, uh, what what other headlines are, are you watching today? Well, weather's always uh, something we certainly talk about here a lot on the podcast, Ashton, but so is, you know, world events and what's going on. But I want to talk specifically here about some domestic supply and demand potential issues that we could face. We saw the latest cold storage report come out earlier this week, which showed frozen pork supplies down 1% from May. So that might not sound, you know, like a big deal, but year over year, we were 25% lower in the month of May in 2020 compared to the month of May in 2019, despite a record June slaughter. Of course, the thought behind this is or has been because of the coronavirus pandemic with global geopolitical issues with people having challenges receiving pork, especially in the aftermath of African swine fever. So we are continuing to watch this story, but it's really interesting to see that globally, pork is continuing to be chomped up. Cold storage is continuing to get chewed through, literally. And Rabobank is putting together their pork quarterly Q3 report and said that they are anticipating to see declines in global pork production and cold storage. So they are anticipating about an 8% decline globally in pork production, largely because of African swine fever, as well as people having production and supply chain issues due to COVID-19. So this is an adjusted decline further. Uh, Earlier this year, they'd only anticipated about a 5% decline in pork production. So they are continuing to adjust that to the downside, which uh, could be somewhat supportive for hog prices moving forward. Well, interesting stuff. I feel like the pork industry, it just keeps on rocking and rolling with the punches and we'll just have to see how it all turns out. Yep, absolutely, Ashton. 
Well, I am watching the Tractor Supply Company Foundation. They have donated $50,000 to the American Farmland Trust's Farmer Relief Fund to help farmers in weathering the storm of market disruptions caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Farmers nationwide applied for a grant from the Farmer Relief Fund during the pandemic, and the American Farmland Trust has awarded more than a 1,000 grants thus far, and the Tractor Supply Company Foundation is proud to aid them in supporting 50 more farmers with the funds. The $50,000 is being donated from the newly formed Tractor Supply Company Foundation that was introduced in March with an initial focus on COVID-19 recovery efforts. So we're seeing more dollars come in in different ways in order to help farmers, and it just kind of puts a little bit of a smile on my face, though uh, they do need that help. Ashton, does it say, you said there's a couple of different avenues or ways that they're using those funds. Does it say how how so they are using those funds? It doesn't say exactly how farmers are using them, and it really doesn't say how they can apply. So uh, I might have to look further into this and let our listeners know on our social media. Oh, fantastic. Well, please do that. Well, Ashton, it is a slower news day here on this Friday afternoon, but I also wanted to make our listeners aware of some things going on out in Washington, D.C. as Congress is back in session we saw the Democratic-controlled House approve a package for fiscal year 2021 on Friday afternoon that would provide quite a bit of money to agriculture, including about a billion dollars for rural broadband expansion. But it also blocked President Trump and the Trump administration from cutting food stamp rolls and key regulatory relief measures. So now we've seen it passed in the House, of course, the Senate, will have to take it up, probably make quite a few amendments, maybe even present their own version of this fiscal bill, and eventually take the time to vote on it. But they have an October 1st deadline. So if the Senate doesn't get it approved before then, we could see an extension of that fiscal bill, you know, an emergency um, bill, if you will. The government could also shut down like it has in years prior. But I would anticipate that perhaps they will get things done by October 1st this year, seeing as we are in an election year and you never know what way the tables will turn if and when we see our next president elected. And it could potentially, of course, always go to the Democrats and Congress. Uh, The Senate could also be eventually controlled by the Democrats. So I think it would be in their best interest to get something passed before that happens. Well, I myself have a little bit of news coming from Washington in a White House press briefing um, yesterday, on Thursday, President Trump says the phase one trade deal with China means much less to him now than when he made it. And we've been following the trade deal with China, obviously, but this is just the newest words coming from President Trump. And Trump made the comment in that briefing after being questioned about the cancellation of the GOP convention in Jacksonville, Florida, of course, due to a spike in COVID-19 cases. And President Trump was quoted as saying, we built the greatest economy in the world and we had to turn it off because of what China did. Speaking about China, the trade deal means less to me now than when I did it. When I made it, it was a great deal, but it just seems much less to me. Can you understand that? And he did not point out record U.S. corn purchases by China, as well as recent soybean purchases, which I thought was a little interesting. 
Yeah, it certainly is. And while we have been seeing China pick up on their purchases, we are not seeing export sales pick up much. We saw the USDA release weekly export sales numbers just this morning, and I've got those handy here for the week ending July 16th. U.S. wheat seemed to be, if you want to call winners and losers, I suppose the winner of weekly exports as they are running 5% ahead of where they were this time a year ago. And shipments up about 1% from what for USDA was forecasting as of last year. U.S. corn sales, however, are running 12% behind a year ago. So even with those recent Chinese purchases, it doesn't seem that the U.S. corn exports are picking up as needed, which could, of course, keep a damper on any sort of further rally in the corn markets. U.S. soybeans, while analysts are still feeling a little more bullish towards soybeans than corn, are also running well behind last year's pace, about 4% behind to be exact. Soy meal, however, is unchanged year over year, and soy oil is running about 50% ahead of where we were a year ago. So that is really supportive, I would think, for the soybean markets. But with that being said, Ashton, what other news do you have for today? Or should we take a look at where the markets left us? Well, I don't have any other news, but I do have a little funny bit from Tim the Dairy Farmer. Tim here again. I remember the first time I ever saw a man with a toupee. Our family was coming out of church. A gust of wind came by. I just happened to look over, and there was a man whose entire head of hair was peeled back from his forehead to his ears, and it was sticking straight up in the air. I had just watched The Lone Ranger and Tano, so imagine how this freaked me out. My mom tried to control me in the questions I had. Mom said, It's a wig for men. I replied, That looks nothing like Grandma's wig. Mom said, Tim, quit staring at him. I replied, I can't. I think that's our missing barn cat. On a different note, as a comedian, I've done stand-up in a lot of places. Not long ago, a comedy buddy of mine asked me to do a show with him. I didn't question his judgment. I didn't even ask him where the gig was. The date came. My friend drove. We arrived. We walked up to the event center. An elderly man greeted us at the door. All this elderly man was wearing was a pair of flip-flops and a red Hawaiian shirt. We were doing comedy for 200 people in a clothing-optional resort. My jaw dropped. I'm thinking, where's the camera? Just imagine going to Walmart and everyone you see is naked. I saw things that day that I'm still in therapy for. Tim, why would you tell us that story? Because I made this one old naked guy laugh so hard that his toupee stood straight up on his head like shag carpet on a wall. Sometimes things do come full circle. Find me on YouTube at my new channel, Ask a Farmer. Or just go to timthedairyfarmer.com. I hope y'all are safe. Thanks for listening and keep milking it. Well, again, a big thank you there too, Tim. It's always great to hear from him, especially on these Fry-Yay episodes. And it was a Fry-Yay indeed if you are a wheat grower. Probably not a wheat end user, but definitely a wheat grower. Let's start out, however, in the corn pits with the September contract closing down a penny and a half today at 326 and a half. The Dece unchanged on the day to close at 335 and a half. 
In the soybean pits, the September contract cut two and a quarter cent to close at eight ninety eight and a half, while the November down three quarters of a cent to close just below nine dollars at eight ninety nine and a quarter. In the wheat pits, the September contract up ten and a quarter cent today to close at five thirty nine and three quarters. The December up ten and three quarters cents to close at five forty five and a half. In the livestock pits, green in the live cattle complex as the August contract. Forty-seven and a half cents to close at one hundred one thirty-two. The Dees up thirty cents to close at one hundred nine thirty-two and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, the August contract up two cents on the day to close at one forty-two oh five. The October shed sixty-two and a half cents to close at one forty-two eighty. In the lean hog markets, that cold storage report wasn't quite enough of a boost to make things close higher on the day, as the August contract shed forty-seven and a half cents to close at fifty. $54 even. The October shed 87.5 cents to close at 50.15. And in the dairy complex, the July contract down a penny today to close at 24.41. The August shed 75 cents to close at 21.75 even. Now for today's interview, we are talking about an upcoming virtual event going on August 25th through the 27th. Yes, for those of you thinking it, we are talking about the virtual Farm Journal Field Days. Well, for today's Friday conversation, it certainly is a Friday indeed. We are joined today by Charlene Fink, who is the president for Farm Journal. Charlene, thank you, first of all, so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I'm always excited to talk about uh, the Farm Journal Field Days. So, Yeah, and this year's Field Days obviously are going to look a little different than what they have in the past after a bunch of different shows have been canceled now for in-person events, including, of course, Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and many other big ones out there. But you guys are working this year amidst COVID-19 to do things a little differently for your Farm Journal Field Days. Tell us about this three-day event. Absolutely. Well, and really, um, we started um, working on reinventing what farm shows can look like, be like, and how they can be inclusive several months ago. It would be five months ago, I think we started this, right, at the very beginning when it was pretty clear that COVID-19 was going to... um, change our worlds. We didn't know how much, but it was pretty evident. It was going to make the gatherings very difficult. And at the very same time, our audience and the agribusinesses that we work with are also um, becoming much more engaged online with um, uh, slide share or video share or audio share, all of the above platforms. So that's what led us to create the um, Farm Journal Field Days for the first time. And to uh, put that together with one of our events that we've done every summer for the last 28 years, which is the Pro Farmer Crop Tour, and um, put those together along with a pretty exciting benefit concert. So, what we've done is we've created a blend of live and on-demand and in-person VIP events um, into uh, what's almost a two-week blitz of activity 
that's going to be really terrific there in, in August. But one of the things that makes it so different is that, yes, we're excited about those days um, and those events, but this is built to be a 24-7, 365-day experience. So the conversations and the engagement and the education and the demos continue to be updated and be accessible for a full year. So it's a brand new model uh, that meets this brand new world that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that makes sense. Charlene, as you look at how farmers can be involved with this event, are they solely able to get involved via you know, some sort of virtual platform such as Zoom, or are there ways for them to get involved in other in other aspects too? They well, there. Um, I mentioned I think that there are. We're having two live events that are very COVID conscious, meaning that we're only going to have for a hundred VIP producers that are at each of those locations. One is in Iowa and Jessup, Iowa, at the. Um, farm of Ben Renchie, who's a well-known um, top producer in the nation. And then on the uh, eastern side, we'll be at, um, in Ohio at the farm of um, another top producer as well. And um, so those will be live events. But what's so cool is obviously you can't have a big gathering of people these days, but we're going to have it set up to where anyone across the nation, regardless of what state they're in, can patch into that and, and have a, as if an experience, it'll be very emblematic of being there in person. And um, so it's going to be really very easy for farmers to, to come and join to, to, uh, and to intersect it with their, with their daily duties and daily lives. Um, we like to say that uh, you can have a free front row seat for um, from wherever you are. <laughs> it starts wherever you are, and you're welcome to come back and um, you know throughout throughout that whole period of time. We really really focused on making it um, so where we could have networking because that all farmers like to talk to other farmers and. Companies like to talk to farmers as well and vice versa. So there's networking, there are product demos um, that are virtual, obviously, uh, for those that are online and also um, some that are live at those other two locations as well. Uh, So, and those are the things you would expect to have at a farm show, right? Um, We can't do cotton candy and we can't do steak sandwiches and we can't have a beer tent, but we can have um, a virtual tent and a virtual cocktail hour. (laughs) So there's lots of networking that'll go on that way. And um, so it's a blend of those types of activities as well as education on many topics that are very relevant to farmers and ranchers. Um, Our audience has, our research with our audience has, told us that 90% of our audience members think they're going to make changes in their operation in the year ahead based on um, the COVID-19 impacts to their farm and to the global food and supply chain. 
So we want to make sure we have content that helps them make those changes in, in a very um, informed and insightful way. And then you can't leave out fun. Why would you want to have something that's not fun <laughs> as well? Although I think a lot of us think equipment demos are fun as well. But we uh, the finale for the week and for the overall experience of the New American Farm Show is a benefit concert. Hashtag farm on benefit concert. That's a rallying cry of, in support of farmers and ranchers and all that they do. But we're really um, pleased to be able to lead a give back to agriculture on behalf of agriculture to the 4-H Foundation, the National 4-H Council, and their fund called the Forward Fund, um, which you may be familiar with that gives uh, it's a pretty new program, but it provides grants that go out to 4-H uh, clubs across the nation so that they can have expanded education and other projects during these um, unprecedented times. Well, Charlene, with everything that's been going on with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've really had to count on technology to kind of push us through. We've really been dependent on things like Zoom and Skype. And with that being said, what will your platform be to, to actually have this virtual show and what will that process look like? It'll be very simple and very approachable. If you have a computer, an iPad, a tablet, or a phone, you can come and join. Um, it's that easy. Um, and uh, farmers who would like to attend or anyone in agriculture who would like to attend can go online to farmjournalfielddays.com and register for all components that we've spoken about, whether it's the field days, the, the um, virtual the virtual studio live version, or um, crop tour, or the concert. And once we have, as you know, there's so much amazing technology out there these days. We have world-class technology that we're working with um, to make this a very seamless uh, experience. And so with one registration, you'll be remembered and you won't have to sign it. Like if you come and go throughout I mean, the, the days, the, the platform will remember you and you, and you can have your choices where we have um, different giveaways and games that we'll be playing and competing with each other as a, as a way to have fun and build camaraderie across the attendees. And it can all be done from any of those devices. And you can switch them up as you'd like as well. Charlene, before I let you go, you're talking about event registration right now. And I'll have you remind us again what that link is. But then also, can you share with us, is there a cost associated with this event for farmers wanting to be a part of it? Well, the cost for this event is farmer's favorite. It's free. <laughs> you don't have to pay anything. Um, you just invest your time and um, we invest in providing the content and uh, it's, it's very simple. Fantastic. Well, Charlene, before we let you go, remind us one more time what that link is for farmers to get registered for this free event. Absolutely. Uh, we would love to have everyone out there visit farmjournalfielddays.com. And it'll walk you right through um, how to register and provide all the programming information and more details um, there 
for you to plug in and know more. And then start to choose your own agenda. You get to drive your own experience um, without getting rained out, without having you leave your house or your farm or your tractor or whatever the case may be. Fantastic. Well, Charlene Fink, president of Farm Journal, thank you again so much for joining us. My pleasure. Hope you can join us at the Farm Journal Field Days. Hey guys, when I'm not hosting Ag News Daily, I'm helping out with the Iowa Farm Bureau's Spokesman Speaks podcast. If you're from Iowa, you're probably familiar with the Spokesman newspaper. It has the largest readership of any ag newspaper in the state. The Spokesman Speaks podcast is an extension of that newspaper, reaching farmers and ag professionals like you on the go with the stories that matter most. This week's episode is all about livestock farm security. Unfortunately, we're all familiar with stories about livestock farms that have been targeted by people and groups with bad intentions. So how can you reduce the risk of having you and your farm targeted? We ask an ag attorney that very question in this episode of The Spokesman Speaks. You can find and subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app or go to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcast. Well, it was interesting to learn more about this virtual field day from Charlene, and I'm excited to see how farmers interact with one another and what they think about this online show. Yeah, and it sounds like we talked to Charlene a little bit more after the interview was finished up for today. It sounds like you will be able to interact with other farmers depending on what parts of the event you attend. But uh, it's a great way to at least be able to connect with some of those folks, some of those businesses outside of the normal in-person events, since obviously that's uh, not going to happen for a while. But you can always connect with us virtually, as we are, of course, a podcast. You can find us on any podcasting directory, or you can always listen to past episodes at agnewsdaily.com. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.